I trained with a coward. Self-defense, self-awareness, self-development. This is the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. The Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore is a production of TheMartialist.net and PhilElmore.com. I am the aforementioned Phil Elmore, your host. Let's see how many times I can say my name in the opening. Training, 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 training. Everybody talks about training in the self-defense industry, in the context of self-defense and martial arts, and all of the stuff that goes along with that. And I include tactical training and firearms training and knife classes and all the stuff that some people don't really consider to be martial arts, but which truly is. You know, you go to a shooting class, you're training in a martial art by, by the purest definition of the term. Everybody talks about training, but there are some dirty little secrets of what's going through everybody's mind when they go to a training class, because deep down, we all are at least tempted to compare ourselves to other people and to wonder, like, I'm sure if you've ever been to a class, you have experienced this emotion where you look to your left and you look to your right and you go, am I the worst one here? Am I better than somebody? Who's better than who? And then depending on how the class is, if you get paired up with different people, some of them are better than others. The, the people that you get paired up with in a seminar, let's say, can really make the difference between success and failure, can really make the difference between whether you enjoy the class and get a lot out of it and whether you don't. Um, my friend Patrick and I went to a, uh, a Dan Inosanto seminar uh, a number of years ago. And I don't know if you've ever trained with Dan Inosanto, but it's an immersion type of seminar. Uh, I've been to some seminars where they build one on another on another. So you, you're taught a, a certain isolated technique. You're taught another technique to put together with that. Then that is, you create a chain of those techniques and then you bring it all together. It's step by step. It's very methodical. Dan Inosanto is not that. Dan Inosanto is, I'm going to throw a hundred things at you and maybe you'll pick some up along the way. It, it's very overwhelming and there was a wide diversity of people there who were at different skill levels one or two of them were you know people like me i'm not the greatest at anything and then there was a couple of people who really looked very uncomfortable in their skin and training with them was not fun and then of course there was a whole bunch of people who were at a very high level and training with them was great they would help you they would teach you um, some of the senior students, some of Dan Inosanto's senior students were able to relay some stuff that, you know, to help the dumb people like me. Uh, over the years, I have done a lot of training. Martial arts seminars, martial arts classes, uh, tactical training, knife classes, gun classes, all kinds of stuff. Um, it all adds up. And I've been doing this for a really long time. But the punchline is I'm still an amateur. Yeah, I have instructor-level credentials. I don't consider myself anybody's teacher. I don't have students. Um, and I consider myself an educated amateur. When it comes to tactical training, I'm definitely an amateur. I'm, I'm not, you know, anything beyond that. And I don't think I'm the worst guy out there when it comes to tactical training. I, I have enough skill to protect myself and my family, and that's good enough for me. But apparently, a number of years ago... I trained with a coward. You're like, Phil, what, what is the point you're making? Well, the point I'm making dovetails back to all of this training we're talking about. All of this training, there's an etiquette to learning. There's an etiquette to going to, to seminars especially or specific classes 
especially. I don't mean like your martial arts, uh, uh, you know, whatever whatever system you study in regularly, a school that you go to, a teacher that you go to regularly. That's one thing. But in the wide world of martial arts and tactical training, there are all these individual classes. You know, you go and you take a class with uh, Craig Douglas, a.k.a. Southnark. You, you go and you, you take a class with um, uh, MDTS, MDTS and Chris Fry. You go and you take a class with Rochester Personal Defense. You go and you take a class with Insights Training. Um, you know, on and on and on. Uh, it, it, there's a whole list of, of people in... And, it's endless. You, you'll never be able to train with everybody. You'll never get to everyone. But you don't have to get to everyone. That's the beauty of it. Um, what you get to is what you get to. And over the course of your life, you'll have the opportunity to do a lot of training and to do a lot of learning, and you'll never be finished. If you ever declare yourself, like, I'm done. I don't need to learn anything more. Well, I feel sorry for you because there's always more to learn. Now, uh, I don't go to as many classes as I, as I used to, but I still go. The, the pandemic threw kind of a wrench in. Um, the pandemic happened, and then the vaccines came out, and there was a period of time when we all thought we were indestructible, and I went to a class that summer, and then, whoops, it wasn't that way at all, and things got complicated again. Um, but the fact is, there's things are pretty much back to normal now. Classes are open Seminars are open. You can go, you can take courses, you can go to your regular martial arts training. But always, there's that personal element. Are the people around you your friends? Are they training in good faith? Or is there a guy somewhere out in that class who's looking at you and thinking bad thoughts? Well, it turns out once in a while, yes. Yes, there is. And he represents the opposite of what you should be doing when it comes to martial arts training. So today I have for you five basic guidelines for sort of training class etiquette, martial arts etiquette. I, this is a topic I've covered before. I think I did a podcast on this on the Warrior Life podcast way back when I was working with those folks. Um, I may have covered it in this podcast as well, but there's a few items I want to revisit in the context of this specific coward that I trained with. What are you talking about, Phil? Well, I'll explain. Um, probably 15 to 20 years ago now, that's how long ago this was, I took Craig Douglas's uh, Extreme Close Quarters training class like two years running. Um, he came here to my state to a, a shooting range that I used to go to for various classes. I believe he was hosted by Chris Fry of MDTS and Insights Training, or um, not Insights, uh, Progressive Force Concepts. Um, both really great guys, love them to death. They're they're really skilled. They're really nice. They really seem to care if you learn. Couldn't I don't have a negative thing to say about either guy. But that's how I feel about most of the people that I took those classes with. Now, this was 15 or 20 years ago. So the number of people whose names I could tell you from these classes is pretty small. I don't remember most of them. I remember some faces. I've got photographs that I took at those classes. Um, one of the two classes that I took... I remembered this after the fact. I had forgotten all about it all these years later. At one of the classes, I got hurt, and I got my arm folded across my chest, and it messed up my shoulder for what seemed like a good year. Um, I recently hurt my shoulder again. I can't remember if it's the same shoulder or not. Um, <laughs> I'm just falling apart, man. I, I, uh, I was walking the dog, and I went outside wearing inappropriate footwear. I'll admit it. I was wearing Crocs. <laughs> And my plastic clog hit the wet lawn, and my foot went right out from under me, and I did pretty much an involuntary split. 
So I, I pulled the muscles on my, in, of my right leg to hell and gone, and that was painful for a number of days. And then I hurt my shoulder, I think, while I was shoveling snow. And that's taken forever to get better. And I'm reminded of the fact that the only people who don't get hurt at a, at a hands-on training class, a class that has a physical component, not just shooting, the only people who don't get hurt are 20 years old and still made of rubber. Beyond that, you get hurt more. And I am, I'm an old man. I am over 50. I'm not going to tell you how much over 50 I am, but the sad fact of the matter is uh, pretty much you just look at me funny and I get hurt. So one of those classes, I remember I was rehabbing an injury and I went there specifically to take pictures and write an article about the class. I was not actively participating in the class, although I probably did the shooting part. I don't remember now. It was 15 or 20 years ago. But you know who does remember? Some guy on the Internet. I can't remember where this, I don't remember the context of the conversation because I also have the problem that I have a steel colander uh, of a memory. I have a sieve for a brain and I don't remember a lot of things. Um, I have to rely on friends of mine to be like my personal memory concierge and go, do I know so-and-so? Did I ever argue with him? And uh, my brother, for example, remembers elements of my life much better than I do uh, and has told me many cool stories about myself that I had forgotten all about. But I think it was on, on social media, the topic of training came up and some guy whose name I have, I don't remember him. I don't know what he looks like. was like, I went to a training class with Phil Elmore. He sucked. I wasn't impressed by him at all. He didn't even participate in the class really. And at the time I'm like, that doesn't sound like me. Why would I pay to go to a class and then not do the class? Because I have no memory of doing any such thing. Well, turns out, after that, some point after that, I'm like, wait, now I remember. I went to that class one year and took pictures and did an article, but I was hurt and there was stuff I couldn't do. Or, you know, it just kind of came back to me through the mists of, of history. But then I got to thinking about the fact that this, this mealy-mouthed coward went to a training class, worked with people supposedly in good faith, and then take out of it the fact that it was me. After the class, not just after, but 15 to 20 years later, still remembered that he didn't like at least one person in the class and was willing to run them down in public. Uh, not even to their faces, just, you know, kind of offhand. It's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, for one thing, why were you so obsessed with everyone else at the class that you remember feeling smugly superior to me 15 to 20 years later, why were you more worried about that than whether or not you were actually learning? Why are you such a mean-spirited person that that's what you're con concerned with all these years later? And where is your camaraderie? Where is this idea that the people who go to these classes are all on the same side and trying to do the same thing together? That is specifically acquire the skills to be able to fight bad people who want to hurt you. All these questions went through my mind, and what I had to conclude was, this person is just a, a mean-spirited coward of a human being. And I don't want to shock you, but there are a lot of them out there. There are a lot of terrible people in the world. Terrible people who lack the courage of their convictions, who don't have good character, who have very poor moral fiber, very little backbone. They're just... They're terrible human beings. And 
I guess those of us who are not terrible human beings tend to forget that the terrible human beings exist. Kind of like if you're a rational person, irrational behavior always confuses you. I was once told that trying to find a rational explanation for irrational behavior is the fastest way to drive yourself crazy. Because you have no way to do that. You cannot relate to irrational behavior if you are not yourself irrational. And you're never going to find a reasonable explanation for what that irrational behavior and, and why it happened. You just won't. So don't drive yourself nuts. Don't even bother. But I got to thinking about, I'm not, I don't remember why the coward story came up. It might have been because I was going through, oh, I know what it was. Uh, OneDrive does this thing where it shows you your memories. And OneDrive served up to me, on this day from however many years ago, you uploaded this picture of this training class. Uh, and it was one of the pictures that I used for my article at the time. And it was a couple of guys in fist helmets with SIM guns wrestling for control of the SIM gun. And something about that picture triggered the memory of, hey, remember that guy that was talking smack about you 15 to 20 years later? Because apparently that's what stuck in his head. Like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I am merely average as a human being uh, in this field. <laughs> I am I am slow. Uh, I like to think my strikes are reasonably powerful. I like to think I have a lot of knowledge, but I'm an average guy. I'm just some dude. And I've always presented myself that way. And I think that's why people can relate to the self-defense material that I put out, because you're just some guy too, and learning from just some guy often is very helpful. But there are people out there who, if you're not what they consider superior, if they don't feel that they can look at you and go, well, clearly he's, he's better than me, then they get very angry that you are uh, daring to try to relate anything to anyone. They get offended because they consider themselves better than you, and they are insecure about how they see themselves. So this creates a friction in their minds, a sort of cognitive dissonance that drives them really up a wall. Uh, just drives them nuts. It's the, the single most common criticism that I get online comes from people who look at me and are not impressed and are then offended that I am doing things that they will never do in terms of writing books and publishing books and putting stuff out there in the self-defense industry. And they're very, very upset that I would dare. When I published my very, very first self-defense book, um, which was a pretty primitive book, does not contain a whole lot of content, um, the single most common response that I got was from, from people who were supposed to be my friends was, well, gosh, I wouldn't have written a book. The implication being, I consider myself superior to you. I wouldn't write a book. Therefore, you writing a book is you asserting something superior to me, and I take offense to that because I am better than you. And I'm sorry, but if that's how your mind works, your insecurities are your own problem. And in the case of this guy who almost two decades later was still obsessed with the idea that he was mad at me because I didn't seem to know how much better he was supposed to be. That's kind of mind-boggling that anyone can carry that kind of a, a grudge, that kind of a low, small-minded attitude. Like, I, I've never been to a training class and come away thinking, well, that guy sucked and that guy sucked and I was better than this guy. Like, that's just not the attitude that you bring to any sort of training experience, I don't think. So in the light of that, let me give you five guidelines for attending seminars and training classes and, and really just any training that you do in a way that will serve you well 
so that you bring the right attitude and the right energy to it. Number one, and this is a big one, and I've talked about this in other podcasts, don't be the first to go the hardest. I have experienced this. I have experienced training in a class where I didn't know like how hard we were going. I didn't know what was expected. And, and because of etiquette and manners, I didn't want to haul off and kick someone full force in the shin because you can really hurt somebody that way. And then my training partner hauled off and kicked me full force in the shin. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing. And so for the rest of that exercise, and this may have even been the class where I got my shoulder hurt, for the rest of that exercise, I was kicking from the ground for all I was worth to save my own life. Um, just viciously because I'm like, oh, okay, well, all the stops are out. But if you're the guy at any class who's going way too hard and has to hit the hardest and take people unaware, you're a jerk. You're rude. That is a, that's just not good manners. Training partners, yeah, sometimes they'll ratchet it up once they feel each other out and get a sense for how hard we're going. But it should, there should be parity on both sides. The training partners, the people working together should be offering the same amount of force. And sometimes it's an unspoken agreement and sometimes it's explicitly spoken. But the two of you should arrive at some conclusion. You and your, your classmates should arrive at some notion of just how hard are we going here? Because the guy to be the first to go the fastest and the hardest often is being really rude about it. And it's just, it's bad form. It leads to problems. Number two, this sort of goes hand in hand with that. I've experienced this personally. For the love of God, see to your personal hygiene before you work physically with another human being. Um, this was years ago now in when I was training in Wing Chun. There was a guy who came to class and that guy cut me twice, not once, but twice on two subsequent occasions because he had these nasty, ragged claw fingernails that he never cut. And he, he like drew blood on me two separate times. And I was so annoyed that I informed him that I would not work with him again. Uh, because since he could not be bothered to see to just basic cleanliness and trim his damn nails before he came to class, that was it. Uh, I don't believe he lasted very long at that class. It's been so long, I don't remember. Uh, and I just got done saying that I generally don't spend my time remembering people who sucked because that's not the energy I try to bring to my classes. But when a guy draws blood on you a couple of times because he's gross, you remember that. So yeah, I, I couldn't tell you his name. Like that, here's, I guess this is the difference. I know that this happened. I can kind of vaguely remember what he looked like in a sort of roundabout sort of way. I have no, I couldn't pick this guy out of a police lineup if you put a gun to my head. I have no idea what his name was. It just wasn't worth remembering. I remember the incident, but not the person. So what you won't find is me, 20, 30 years later, typing away on the internet going, that guy sucks so much and he never trimmed his nails. Because it's just not worth investing that kind of grudge over it. But it, it's an important sort of martial arts etiquette rule. You don't do that to your training partners. You just don't. Um, that brings me to rule number three. Number one, don't be the first to go the fastest and the hardest. Number two, for the love of God, see to your basic hygiene. Number three, gross accidents do happen. This happened, um, coincidentally enough, 
at the same training location, the same shooting range where I took those two Craig Douglas classes. I don't believe this was one of Craig's classes. I took a number of classes there um, that were like progressive force concepts and Chris Fry's classes because Chris is, if I remember correctly, and forgive me, Chris, if you're watching this, I don't remember the, the details. I believe Chris is certified under progressive force concepts, but he has his own company called MDTS. And uh, uh, anyway, it was one of those, one of those many classes because I went through a period of time where I went to a bunch of classes out there. I went to so many classes that I wore out my Glock 19 at the time and had to replace it. Um, you know, just all the rounds that I put through it during that period of my life. Well, we were doing, it was a hands-on gun disarm or gun retention drill where the other guy was trying to take your gun and you're trying to hold on to it. And we were using blue guns, which are these sturdy resin guns. They're indestructible. They have a trigger guard on them. This is significant. So at some point, the training partner I was working with was an older guy. Um, I don't remember his name, but I do. I can picture him in my mind. Really nice guy. One of the many people that I worked with. Apparently, one of those guys was this sinister, grudge-holding jerk standing in a corner going, I hate Phil Elmore so much. But anyway, of the rest of all those people, I remember this guy being super nice. Um, and... He was married to a black lady that I believe he met while he was doing work in Africa, if I remember the story correctly. Anyway, we're, we're doing the gun disarm drill. I look down at some point and my hand is covered in blood. And I don't mean a little blood. I mean covered in blood. Because the dude was older and he had kind of thin skin on his hands. And while we were fighting for control of the blue gun, his skin ripped open. And he bled all over my hand. And, you know, he made a few jokes about the fact that uh, he was pretty sure he was HIV negative because they tested him when he was in Africa. <laughs> like, thanks, you're, you're helping. And I remember going into the, into the restroom there and cleaning my hands very diligently. Um, th there was a, you know, a, a restroom area in the indoor classroom part that was attached to this outdoor range. But I remember being a little freaked out, like... Nobody wants contact with a stranger's blood, even a relatively friendly stranger whose name you know. So I remember being a little skeeved out by that, but it was not a huge deal. The point is, no matter how hard you try not to have accidents like that, when you work with other human beings in a hands-on environment, in any kind of training class, where you're touching each other and resisting each other, there is the potential for accidents like that. So... You know, you, you really need to be prepared to do what you have to do. In my case, that meant cleaning my, cleaning my hands up and making sure, checking with him. Like, uh, I know you were joking before, but do you have anything that I need to know about, like hepatitis or anything like that? Um, because it is just politeness, just good manners, that you don't go to a training class and work hands-on with other people if you have incurable, communicable, blood-borne diseases. I don't think I'm asking a lot by saying that you should probably not go to a training class that has a hands-on component if you have something like that. So, you know, if, if somebody you know has HIV or hepatitis C, although I think they can cure that now. I seem to recall that Pamela Anderson cured herself of, of hepatitis C through some expensive procedure. But anyway, if there's something in your blood that you can't get rid of and that nobody else wants that you could give to somebody else, don't go to a class where you touch people. That seems pretty reasonable to me. And if you are at a class where an accident happens, do what you have to do to clean yourself up and then check with the other party to make sure that everybody involved doesn't need to go get tested for something. That seems reasonable to me.
Number four, this brings us back full circle to the the original topic, this guy, this coward who was holding this weird grudge against me all these years later. Like, dude, if I'm the bar that you feel like you can go over, set your sights higher, please, for your sake. But anyway, uh, number four is you are not competing with anyone but yourself when you go to a training class. I know that everyone is tempted to compare themselves to other people at a class. Um, you, you always look around and you think, I hope I'm not the worst one here. I just hope I'm better than somebody else. Um, you know, a lot of, I've known even really advanced martial artists, teachers, who had a tendency to look at other people and go, can I take this guy? I, I heard one teacher say, you know, I get along a lot better with other teachers when they're not constantly thinking about whether or not they can take me. Because it's just, it's a competitive, dominance, hierarchical attitude that some people have. So it's very important that you remember when you go somewhere to learn something, to, to be taught a skill that could help you save your life, you are not competing with anybody else. You are there to learn. Go there, acquire the skill. Don't worry about if everyone else looks better doing this thing than you do. Because what matters is, did you acquire the skill? I say this as someone who can tell you truthfully, and I've done an entire podcast about this, that multiple times this training has helped get me out of serious incidents that, that were muggings. Um, I have used the steps that I learned from Craig Douglas and Chris Fry in the Managing Unknown Contacts. I have used those steps specifically to deal with people who were trying to mug me. That's really important. Um, it worked, and it doesn't matter if... Anywhere else in the world, there are people who go, that he sucks. None of them matter. They aren't the people that I'm trying to save myself and the people with me from. Do you see my point? The internet is full of cowards who have a lot of smack to talk. But they're not the ones who might rob you, stab you, otherwise murder you, hurt you very badly, harm your loved ones. Those people out there don't matter. It's the people who mean you genuine harm who are important. And finally, uh, number five, because I have to add this after giving this podcast this title, when you go and you train and you learn something from some teacher, do it in good faith. Whatever you do, don't hold on to your insecurities for the next 15 to 20 years and then talk smack about the people that you trained with. Like, What's wrong with you? Why are you so small? There's no other way to look at it. Um, if, I, if what I had taken away from all the training that I've done is I don't like specific guy X and I'm going to tell the internet that specific guy X is a bad person and, and he sucks and I didn't like him when I trained with him. Why was I even there? Do you even remember what you learned in the class? Now, I know that I, uh, in my position as a martial arts podcaster now and as an, a writer of articles and a, a prolific author of martial arts and self-defense related materials, I know I've talked a lot of smack about a great many people. It's kind of an occupational hazard. But when I do that, it is because I genuinely need you to know about certain things I have learned that hopefully will help you avoid the same pitfalls. All of this knowledge comes at the expense of having made every mistake there is to make, including putting my faith in the wrong people. So when I tell you that, you know, 
ex-instructor had a bad attitude and instructor shouldn't have this bad attitude, it's because I experienced that. When I look at like a like a, a Mike Pasesco, you know, I see Mike heart to hurt, whatever dumb name he goes by. When I tell you this guy sucks and he's only correct on occasion by accident, like a broken clock, it's not because I look at him and I go, I wish I was as successful as him. Like, I, I have to admit, it would be nice to have a YouTube channel that was as well-trafficked as his, but at the same time, I don't look at him and go, darn it, he's living the life I wish I was living. No, I'm, I'm pretty happy as things go overall. But I look at him and I look at people taking advice from him, and I think to myself, please don't do that. You're going to get hurt. He's wrong about so much. So it all comes down to wanting to help people. I, did, I think I did a podcast about this before, which was, are you trying to help or are you just showing off? Are you, when you're teaching, are you trying to impart information or are you putting on a show for other people so they'll know how cool you are? Um, there's a lot of projection in this field and there's a lot of psychologically damaged people in the martial arts and self-defense industry because for some reason, this field draws a lot of people who never grew up. And I think it revolves around power fantasies. I've even had people accuse me of indulging in power fantasies. Now, I like to think I stay pretty grounded. I'm just some fat guy who, who writes articles about self-defense and who has done a lot of training and a lot of interviewing and has a lot of expertise sort of squirreled away in my disorganized noggin, uh, which has a lot less hair on it now than when I started. And I think I've been pretty realistic about that. Um, but there are some people who cannot help but project their insecurities onto you. And, you know, because their approach to self-defense is all about power fantasies, they figure yours must be too. And so when a guy 20 years later is still complaining about a single person he didn't like at a class, you really got to wonder what's wrong with that dude and why that was his takeaway. Because it's just sad and it's cowardly. But as we've seen, there is no shortage of people who are cowards. Um, and I have yet to meet anybody who's been able to make any kind of a real good faith critique of anything that I've done. And certainly none of these people have ever spoken to me directly, you know, because these people talking to you to your face, it just doesn't happen. Now, I'm not saying I want that to happen. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. <laughs> Nobody wins when you go around confronting people you don't like personally. But at the same time, I mean, it just doesn't happen. And there's a good reason for that. And it comes back to cowardice. So I'm willing to bet you can draw parallels to people and um, training situations you've experienced, people you've worked with, you know, because this isn't about me. This is about how these concepts apply to martial arts and self-defense overall. I'm willing to bet if you've done any training, gone to any seminars, done any martial arts, done any tactical training at all, you've had similar experiences and you can relate. Uh, matter of fact, I'd love to hear your comments. If you're listening to this or watching this in any venue where you can leave a comment, leave me a comment and tell me your own story. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear the, the run-ins you've had because it can't be just me. It, it just can't. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, this has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. I have been the aforementioned Phil Elmore. Until next time, pretend I said something cool here. This has been the Martial Arts Podcast with Phil Elmore. Visit us online at linktree slash Elmore.